Video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when you want to watch it. Hello, my name is Justin McClure, and I'm here today with... Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast, where you go through all this week's new Blu-rays and DVDs. Yeah, buddy. And, well, I like that tagline. You like that, right? Yeah, 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 buddy. buddy. Yeah. What am I thinking of? I'm thinking of something that's like... Well, I I ripped that off from Pauly D from Jersey Shore, so... Ooh, reality television shares. You know, you know it. That's 80% of Mark's blood. (laughs) I'm trying to bring the reality TV uh, audience over here. (laughs) You think we can get the reality TV audience? Yeah, so it'll be like physical media audience, and then you're dropping the reality TV stars? There's no overlap. Absolutely not. So we have Robert De Niro in Raging Bull being released on 4K UHD. I added this to the list, and looking at it now, I'm like, oh, it's just a 4K Blu-ray release, right? No, it's regular Blu-ray, too. Ooh. They did both, yep. No DVD, though, because Criterion's, I think, stopping to good. DVDs? Actually, well, that's not good. They're doing a few DVDs. Libraries. Come on, Criterion. I know. I mean, it makes sense to me because the Raging Bull DVD is, like, readily available. Oh, like everywhere. 10, Ten bucks, like, do you need a Criterion upgrade? But I'm a little surprised it's taken this long for Raging Bull to get this kind of deluxe collector's edition treatment. I mean, it's Raging Bull, right? Hasn't it been on Blu-ray in different forms? It though? has, yeah. Yes, but just like why. standard, sort of like, I think MGM had it for a while. and then it Is Raging Bull a film that you watch very often, though? No. No, me I've, neither. I've seen it one time. Mm-hmm. I liked it. And then I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to watch that again. What a despicable main character. I know, yeah. It's not even like Goodfellas where you can kind of like, you know, it's In the energy and the the energy. It's like so downbeat. I mean, I love it. It's fantastic. It looks great. The performances are amazing. But yeah, it's not a film you... At least I have craved to watch again. And it's again. not an Age of Innocence either, where you can get into this lush world you know, of Mark's Age Saving. of Innocence. You and every I'm, film bro around. No, no, I'm, I, it's not because I don't want to. You I'm should just, watch it. It's I good. I just never got around to it, but it's I good. will. I will. So, moving on. <laughs> that's it. That's yeah. all we have to say that's about That's all I have to say Bowl. about Raging Bull. It's like Bowl. the biggest release this week, but yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of features. I mean, there's always here. been a lot of features. I have I the like, box set that came out of my... There was tons of special features. Well, that's the thing. I feel like most of these have to be ported over from like the prior Blu-rays, right? What else does Martin Scorsese have to say about Raging Bull these days? <laughs> There's some new video essays, and yep, that seems to be about it. And all the other stuff, see, it's ported. Yeah. So, I mean, it's good special features, but, I mean, if you own the DVD, you own them all already. But yeah, you need exactly. it on your 4K TV! You got to get that 4K quality, that luscious black and white. Speaking of 4K, wait, is this 4K or just normal Blu-ray? Blu-ray and DVD. This is The Beatles' Get Back. Yeah, it's a documentary everyone was talking about that I watched about an hour of, and I went, I'm good, I get it. (laughs) Yeah, so you put this on the list, I'm like, okay, Justin's a Beatles head, all right. I'm more of a monkeys man. Oh, Oh, no, I'm imitating uh, what Mark would say. Yeah. No, I love the Beatles. I'm not a Beatles head, so I mean. No, why not? No, I I like them. I just don't Mm -hmm. like. I guess it's just never something I've really dived into you mm. know i'll put it that way but yeah who who doesn't like the beatles i guess right who doesn't love the beatles you mark you don't love I the don't. beatles I, guess, I respect the beatles mm-hmm. right um but yeah this is a big one because this was originally supposed to come out in february i don't know if you remember that huh and then like two weeks before release they were like we messed up an audio thing in it or something we're just gonna not send it out and we're gonna redo the whole thing wow and, and- it took till july for them to repackage it all and it's just the um, movies that Peter Jackson directed. That's it. That's it. There's right? nothing else. But it I, says Blu-ray collector set on the top. What is in this? Some, uh, it folds cards? out. That means that it's a collector set. Oh, there are some postcards. You know there's some postcards uh, in there. The cheapest and lamest of all Blu-ray special features. Not a postcard fan? What am I going to do with a postcard? Oh, that's nice. Send Put it, it back to, in the send thing. Send it to your friends. No. <laughs> uh, please. 
send us a message if you've ever bought like a cult or blu-ray the postcards in it and you've used them for something yeah I, i've never done that i cannot before. imagine I anyone who I got have. a blu-ray ever doing you know that. I, I open it up and i'm like oh postcards yeah you're happy and then i stick them back in and i put and them back on the shelf raise hell if you don't have those postcards in there or they're bent <laughs> i will i will oh, oh postcards i did want to put this one on the list because it's all about process in this documentary that's mm. what people really like about it that you get to see them kind of like noodle out songs figure okay. them out okay and that's what's really great about it. I think it looks like crap. So, yeah, I was going to ask, what's your take on, because I know about the controversy of the what Jackson does with the footage. Mm -hmm. Don't like Are it. Are you a naysayer? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. You know fine. what? He could do it and you get both versions on the disc. That'd be fine with me if okay. that's what happened. That's not what happened, though. You're looking here at plastic mannequins playing so the Beatles. that bad. Oh, eh? yeah. It doesn't look good. <sighs> yeah. It was shot on like grainy 16 millimeter. You cannot blow that up to 4K. Jackson, you know, he just, he wants he to lost try. It. He lost it a lot. He lost it when he started making the Hobbit movies, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Maybe before But he then. did that out of duress. He didn't want to make those Hobbit movies and he was forced into it. And I think it just broke him. He was forced into that. How's Peter Jackson forced into anything? You don't know the story behind this? All right, I I'm going to make it fast. So, I know Guillermo del Toro was originally attached. That's yes. all I know. Guillermo del Toro dropped out. So right. there was this whole town-sized block of employees okay. that needed to make a Hobbit movie. And they didn't have a director or anyone to lead them. And Peter Jackson could have said, all right, you know, I'm just going to leave. And this will completely fall apart. All the people who thought they were going to have jobs. But he stayed. Yeah. And he did it, like, very quickly to the point that they were literally laying the um, tracks as they were going. Like, it was supposed to be two <laughs> movies. Then it turned into three then movies they, in I the middle of that, shooting. Yeah. And uh, there's some really gross union busting stuff that happened oh, as well. Oh, you know, I do remember that. I guess I know more about this than I thought I did. And what's interesting about that is I think that they pressed forward with a form of that for the Amazon show, which we're shooting in New Zealand. And right. the Amazon show was like, well, fuck you, we're going to UK. Uh, so something could have, I mean, it's not good. Like that's, I think it was like written into like the New Zealand, whatever right. laws of like these union busting things. It's like, wow. not good. Not good, Pete. But that's why he went and did it. And that's why he is clearly, I guess, losing his mind doing it. I people guess. love this though. Like well, people who want I'm, the Beatles. I'm glad this came out for the hundreds of people that asked if this was going to come out when it first aired. And I was like, I don't know. It's like on Disney Plus, right? Like mm -hmm. sometimes they make that available, but often not. So I thought it might just live on there forever. But this is good because we have sold tons of these because, you know, our crowd skews a little older and this is like the kind of thing they want. And a lot of people that come here didn't don't have Disney Plus and never saw it until now. I would have been interested if Jackson and his team talked about the process of putting it together. Yeah, there's really like nothing. But there's on nothing because right? this is an Apple release, right? Yeah, so there will be is. nothing critical about the Beatles That's or true. anything That's like that. True. Well, it's here. It's it looks nice on the shelf, I guess. Speaking I of movies about process, uh, from the Milestone Cinematheque and Kino, we have a new release of the Mystery of Picasso, the Henri Georges Clouseau the director of Diabolique. Not yeah. the 90s version, the original version. <laughs> the 90s and, version's so good. And no, Wages of Fear. <laughs> and this is another film that's all about process of just watching an artist do his thing, figure out his vision, and just make art right there in front of the camera, which happens so rarely of someone that's as famous as Picasso. Oh, yeah. That Clouseau was there capturing it. And speaking of special features, this one has a commentary with the head of the film department at the National Gallery of Art, uh, another audio commentary with a presidential professor of art and history at Brooklyn College, and then even an interview with his daughter, Maya Picasso. Yeah, and it's a new 4K restoration, according to the package. All right. And, Guys, I mean... 
Listen, I don't know. I mean, if it's, it's a Blu-ray, don't call but... it a 4K restoration. I know, I know. But they you gotta sell those copies. But yeah, I love this movie. And I love the technique of it where it's just like the camera is like the the paint, sorry, the blank canvas, so to speak. And he's figuring and he's it out. just like figuring it out. I remember seeing this at the Tiff Bell Lightbox in Toronto years ago at, at a Clouseau retrospective. Not really expecting much. <laughs> You're like, where's the pink panzer? I, no, this movie blew. I want Clouseau. Clouseau. Uh, Clouseau. Like, who is this Clouseau? <laughs> yeah. But no, this movie like really blew me away. I really loved it. And I think I'm going to pick up a copy of this myself. Because I was considering buying the DVD for a long time, which was also stacked. Had a lot of stuff on it. But, you know, this is a pretty... Maybe it has the same stuff that was on the DVD. Hey, this is cheaper than the DVD now. Oh, there you go. Prices. Yeah, and this kind of went under the radar. I did, had no idea this was coming out until, like, it was just kind of out, you know? So. And next up, we have a release from Subculture, a Vinegar Syndrome partner label. Or should we say, what is the name of the company? Oh, it's not on the box here. It's like o- OCN. Is OCN. Like the umbrella term. Mm-hmm. For so every, it's technically not Vinegar every, Syndrome. So, yeah. Because Vinegar Syndrome would be a partner label of OCN. Exactly. So now, like, we order direct from, well, OCN, mm-hmm. and that's what it is. It's all, like, our but invoices. It, Started as it, all com- syndrome. Yeah, it all comes from OCN distribution. So, and hey, we got a lot of these titles coming up on the list. So s- buckle up. So this one, I read the back of it and I went, oh, wow, this is my kind of stuff. Yeah. Four people trapped in an elevator. It's a German film from the 80s. And I picked it up. Mark was right beside me and I went, <laughs> I'm actually coughing. $53. He's dying at how high it was. $54. Now, this is a UHD Blu-ray combo, which tend to run higher for them. That does not. Still ridiculous. Yeah. No, I, I know. I know. Uh, hey, what? I don't set the prices. I just I just put them out. But I watched this movie anyway. I did too. I did too. What'd you think of it? I thought it was okay. Yeah. I, and you know I, what? I'm glad little... I watched it. Me too. Because <laughs> then I didn't have to pick That's up the thing. Blu-ray. Hey, I was a little underwhelmed because I agree. I was, it was so up my alley. We were like, we almost did this for a blind buy potentially. Mm-hmm. We're thinking about it. And I threw it in and I was really into it for the beginning. Um, I like, you know, Dick Moz's uh, killer elevator horror film. Which has the everything. exact same style as this, which I, is like yeah. the 80s kind of. I mean, I don't think this Mo- Dick Moz is German, right? He's Dutch. He's Dutch, yeah. Sorry. I, but yeah. it has that Euro style. It does have that cold. Euro thing. And I mean, they built or like rebuilt an elevator f- to shoot hmm. this whole thing and like it's ta- i love like the tactility i guess of like the set and everything but what's missing is a kind of nervy energy this yeah. kind of film needs well because it's not a horror movie at all it's more of like a character thriller where these four people just like they're like secrets kind of come out over the course of this movie which is hilarious too because they all like are trying to get out but if they had just stayed put, they, you know, they probably would have been fine or something. It's they one start of those panicking instantly. They start panicking instantly when they probably could just, like, wait for help to come. I didn't find their secrets were that interesting. No, you know, it's like, I mean, you could compare it to something like the M. Night Shyamalan produced Devil, which we talked about um, when we were looking at this. And that has a similar type thing, even though that Who's more, the devil? Is, more is horror. And I don't know, maybe, like, <laughs> Devil is not a good movie, but, you know, it's got its its charms. And this, I guess, just doesn't. Even if Devil's flawed, at least it culminates in, like, a big climax, and this doesn't necessarily do It has that. kind of a climax. Like, it stuff does, builds yeah. on top of each other. But the characters are also so unlikable that I was like, eh, I don't really they care are. what happens Which to them. Which I don't mind if you're going to do something with that. But it has to be. But it has to push it. And this doesn't push, really push it, it that far. It doesn't push it enough. But I like the craft Which of it. And it's kind of like. 
like uh, Dick Moss's The Lift, which I, I have I issues guess so. with. I guess so. I guess I just have more of a fondness for his stuff. I'm more it's a little, a little a, wonkier, but of a fan of Dick Moss's American remake of The Lift with Naomi Down. Watts. Yeah, now, that one is bananas. Yeah, that the one shaft. I like a lot. It's like a mini David Lynch uh, meetup with uh, Naomi Watts and uh, James Marshall from Twin Peaks. Best too. rollerblade scene of oh, any movie. Oh my god, I love it. I love it. I almost, Check out yeah, you're the right. shaft. I think I like Down better or The Shaft. Yeah, better than The Lift. So yeah. So we also have Night Ripper. I added this to the list. I bought the Blu-ray <laughs> and in the classic you culture shock fiend over way there. that. I feel like I've been tricked a lot lately by these Vinegar Syndrome Partner labels, which is my fault, that I assume it's a different <laughs> film than it actually is. Okay. This one, I only, thank you, Letterboxd, I had seen. Oh. And I looked at my review and I went, what? I saw like this? It? I saw it at a film festival. <laughs> oh, no way. And I only know this because my brother reviewed it too. And I was like, how did my brother wow. see this VHS? And it's because he was there with me at one of those like all night in yeah. Ottawa. Okay. Um, the Hamilton Trash Cinema guy put it on. I saw it was The Ripper, which is a Jack the Ripper VHS I've film. I've seen The Ripper. With the Tom Ripper Savini. is very fun. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that, a, that's prime for an OCN partner label mm-hmm. release. And that is a shock marathon that's Matt Farley, Tom Scazzle, Charlie Roxburgh favorite. It won oh, like a, is one it? of their, yeah. The, so I, I could, was looking forward to watching I The Ripper. I can totally tell. And this is not what it is. This is, you know, like a lot of films that Culture Shock release, it's it's an okay slasher. Yeah. Did you watch it? I didn't, no. no. It, it, the Soup Nazi stars in it. Yeah, that's a thing. Oh, really? Yeah. See, that, that appeals to me. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's, like you said, there's so many OCN releases. It's like they all come out at once. There like, are three VHS labels. I know. It's a like Culture Shock. Culture. What is it? VHS something. There's one that no Video yeah, Terror. Video Terror. Uh, Terror Vision. Terror Vision and, and Saturn's Saturn Core. Yeah. There's just too many. So I like try and watch like okay, which one do I want to watch for the podcast? And this one just didn't look as intriguing to me. So. But yeah. it's a big special edition. They interview the director, the stars. There's a commentary by a bunch of people from a podcast I don't recognize. <laughs> as <laughs> if, per if it's usual. not the important. Cinema Club. I just like, yeah, just, just like, who cares? Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> My eye just roll off the back. <laughs> you know, I'm glad that they're still putting VHS stuff out. When yeah, will, no, me too. When I will love they hit that shock. wall when they're like, ooh, people are not going to want to buy these well, anymore? There are a lot of VHS movies that just haven't come out yet. Right? Yeah. Are There's they still lot. selling in the store though? It's hard to say. It's some sell better than others, and I'm not really sure why because they all seem super obscure, right? Mm-hmm. I would say Culture Shock sells a bit better than Saturn's Core because I think Saturn's Core looks a little too cheap for people mm-hmm. or a little too homemade. Whereas I mean, they this, put it out on the front. That's the thing. Whereas this, you could be like, oh, this is just like a regular 80s slasher movie or and something. And let me look right? at the back photos. Oh, you could kind of tell it's shot on VHS if you really squint, but these photos yeah, are very small exactly, and dark. Right? <laughs> I think, but you know what? This one in particular, I think you're the only one to buy a copy so far. That's very uh, surprising. So not all of them do that well. We have a couple more OCN releases. Oh, my God. We have so many. So many OCN releases. Uh, who's putting out Final Flesh? It's Agfa, right? Agfa, Bleeding Skull. Mm-hmm. So that, um, and I really wanted to watch this one this week, but I didn't get around to it. And you really liked it, though? Didn't uh, you? I watched it back in my video store it? days yeah. a long time ago. It was, was very odd. I was fascinated by the idea behind it. Of se- uh, sending scripts to these places that usually do fetish videos yeah. to make like your weird screenplay right which is kind of like the wave sort mm. of idea but a little more recent and this than that, came out 15 years ago 2001 I yeah think? wow that long so ago 20 years ago now yeah uh, yeah. Two, yeah 21 years ago mark yeah wow <laughs> <laughs> and they're trying to go again i guess to get it try to get it another cult run yeah i don't i don't know um like what? What's the? What is it about? What is? Oh, I don't even flesh? remember. It's just weird. It's just like it came out during it, that time of 
Adult Swim domination, right. and that I don't remember. Does it involve some people that worked on like yeah. Wonder Shows? So in? the guy who, which was intriguing to me, was the guy who worked on apparently worked on South Park, which you know, <laughs> okay, early South Park, as well as a bunch of things like that. And then, yeah, just from the description on the back, it said something like he sent it out to a bunch of fetish videos, and I think a bunch of different fetish companies all made a part of it, scenes of it, mm. and it's melded together. That's fun, that, which is fun, and totally up the whole bleeding skull alley. So I'll definitely oh my read God, about that's it. That's a I'm fourth sure. one, bleeding skull as well. That's a fourth. I know. VHS. See, that's the other. Th- <laughs> we forgot about bleeding skull. Yeah. I feel like they've been kind of folded into Agfa. I think all the releases have been Agfa. They have, yeah, because they work. They work at Agfa. Some of the people there. Yeah. You know what? Very maybe, nice people. Maybe Bleeding Skull is my favorite of those ones, only because it seems like they go for the really the weirder, like the really weird stuff. I mean, Saturn's Core. I mean, Saturn's Core is weird, yeah. yeah. But Saturn's Core is also like sometimes it's just like typical slasher stuff, but done on like such a cheap budget that it makes it seem weirder than it is. I like guess. Burglar from Hell. I mean, yeah, that's pretty well, goddamn that's pretty weird. weird, though, you know. <laughs> so we have another one from uh, Decanalog. Decanalog. Oh, wait. So there's like subculture. Dude, there's there's Decanalog. So, there's so many. And there's also. Def uh, Crocodile. Def Crocodile. We're get to next. We... Why are there so many? You know what? I, I'm sure they would say, well, there's different people yeah. that are following their different passions. Is it just because it's under mind, that umbrella really? that we're like, I can't. And they're released all at once. They are. In and ways. That, that's the problem is they're all released so fast that it's just so easy for them to fall through the cracks mm-hmm. for me. But I mean, I, I like it because I like having more access to this kind of weird stuff. Absolutely. I, I, I can't agree. imagine they're making a ton of money off some of the small. What if they releases? just did like three a week? Like every month there'd be three that's every the, week that like they announced. Like Kino or something. Yeah. Like Kino at least staggers it week by week by week. Is right? it because Vinegar Syndrome, I, they've always done it this way? I think it's their thing. It's like they always announce their new titles at the beginning of the month and they're available at the end of the month that's like and it's like a whole bunch of titles the streaming model that people are realizing oh wait no people like watching stuff every week instead of one big batch because yeah. then they keep talking about it yeah as opposed to it just we consume it maybe it goes high for two days and then it's gone exactly and right? then everybody's like well i don't want to start watching now because i'm out of you know it's too much so I'm curious to see if they they would change because I would love to like open the vinegar syndrome email every day knowing that it's oh, coming I know, right? and there being like three new releases like oh yeah. what is it going to be that would be cool make it easier on me to deal to with order as well to come in you know because it's like we have to there's like these big bills of all this stuff at once and then it's like waiting game and I keep waiting for like the shoe to drop or something. Like, well, it's going to. It's like, like labels to stop. will they're gonna quietly be like, stop. Yeah, they're going to be like we're not putting out as much anymore, but. It's they haven't slowed down since it started yet, so we'll see. There hasn't been a new label in a while, though, has there? No. I, was subcu- what did Subculture do before, though? Because I was looking at Subculture. I think they've been like, around for a while. Yeah. Okay. They did something else before. Okay. But like there was a, it was like a new one every week. Yeah, you're right. And well, I think I I know somebody who works in kind of physical media, and they were pitching like there because i think you can get in contact with them to see if they want to take you on and i think their message to him was something like we um, have enough not right now yeah (laughs) Yeah, like we've got too much so yeah and uh, like a lot of these and again one of the issues is like what is differentiating these labels Mm -hmm. and that's weird to say because like i'd rather a label be very omnivorous in what they do yep but when they're all under the same umbrella it's like okay but what <laughs> what is this i know right <laughs> so next up we have decalogue's air doll a film by 
You say his name, Mark. I, I'm never going to get the third. Kazu Koreeda. There you go. The director uh, probably of probably nagled that, but Afterlife? yeah, the director of Afterlife. Uh, nobody knows. Uh, more recently, like Shoplifters. You know, huge, huge director. Haven't seen any of them except for Afterlife. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> really? Except for this one. I've oh, seen this seen one too. I remember when it played at TIFF, and I saw it at TIFF, and someone just said like how it ends. I'm like, whoa, that's that's wild. Yeah, you know what? I saw this on TIFF at TIFF just on a whim, and because I was just seeing a ton of ton of stuff back then, and I really like this film, even though I have not a ton of experience with Coriata. I mean, obviously, yeah, it's about a sex doll. So you're thinking like, ooh, it's kind of porny or crude, but it is like sensitively done. It's very much in that Coriata style. And I found it quite moving, to be honest, more so than even like something like Lars and the Real Girl, which I did like at the time, but I've never revisited. Has anybody revisited Lars and the Real Girl? No, I had a DVD of it and I was just like, gave it away at a certain point. Everybody had a DVD of that. Rogers was choking on them. Yeah, that's where I got it because I was working at Rogers. Uh, But Coriata, as big as he is, for some reason, this film has never come out in North America on physical until now. Not DVD, not anything. That's very odd. So weird, right? So I'm, for years I've been wondering, I've been, you know, people have been asking us about it. I'm like, I don't know. It must be some weird rights, weird rights issue. But I guess the catalog figured it out. And here it is, finally, in a beautiful edition. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. I mean, I'm looking at the special features. I don't know features. what the features are like. But uh, some Q&A at the Japanese nice. premiere. <laughs> camera slate and outtakes montage. World premiere at the Cannes Film Festival. Critical essay. Yeah. So basically the bare minimum you could have without yeah. just releasing the movie. It's just bizarre it took this long for like this specific one. You'd think a movie about a sex doll from like a majorly acclaimed international auteur would have gotten out. Especially after Shoplifters. Especially after like he's so, every year I'm like, all right, well, Corey is at his peak now. Like when's Airdoll coming out? Here we go. They're like, not until you watch another one of his movies, Mark. And then they were like, all right, he's not going to watch them. Yeah. So we got to put it out. Next up, we have a release from Def Crocodile. Out of all the ones we previously mentioned, Def Crocodile is the one that I think of the most because yeah. I bought every one of their releases. And we've also blind bought every one of their releases. maybe? Because we did Unknown Man of Shandigore mm-hmm. and Delta Space Mission. That's right. And uh, we didn't do Ilya Muromets, but you bought that. We I did, and I watched that. it. I was yeah. like, eh, it was okay. <laughs> That's why we've always talked about their stuff. But they released their first box set, The Time Bending Mysteries of Sharam Makri. I and feel hey, like I'm saying that incorrectly. It's this week's Blind Buy again. Woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I was, yeah, fascinated by this because I'd been hearing, I hadn't seen any of this guy's films. Wow, this I, is Mark, like, I know. I, I'd vaguely heard about this director throughout the years because his stuff has played festivals like Venice and, and Cannes, I think. But it's never come out over here. It's never gotten theatrical distribution, even festival. I, I mean, maybe stuff played at TIFF, but I wasn't aware of it, really. So... Recently, though, I guess in the lead up to putting this out, I've been hearing people online talk about how this guy's films are amazing. And they're just like the weirdest, most interesting kind of like auteur stuff, international auteur stuff out there. So we watched all four of these films. No, no, we didn't. (laughs) We watched one of them. That was over two hours long. Four films is too much for one week. I've got too much reality. Even though the first one is only 90 minutes long. It is. But we picked the second one, his Mm -hmm. second feature, Fish and Cat. Which is, yeah, two hours and 20 minutes or so, which, I don't know, you watched it first. Yeah. Was there a reason you watched that? Yes, I read the back of the box, and they did a good job selling it as comparing it to a kind of deconstruction to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right, yeah, yeah, that that intrigued me too, I remember. And when I hear deconstruction, 
I know what that means. Oh, it's yeah. not a slasher movie, even though that they also mention Friday the 13th on the back here. Yeah, it's funny because on IMDb, you pull it up and it like has horror as like the genre at the front. I'm like, it is kind of horror. So vague. In such an abstract way, though. You but know? you got to sell it somehow. Because I had heard of this movie before and I looked at the poster and I'm like, you're not selling me. Because yeah, the poster is fair. just like an older man and a woman standing there oh, called yeah. Fish and Cat. And it's like, all right, sure. g- give me something. Give me a reason to watch. Oh, yeah. Um, but this movie was way more like formally daring than I even knew. I didn't realize it was a one take movie. It's a one take. It's a movie. one take, two and a half hour long movie. And, I, and it's actually one take. Like it's no trickery. Is it the best far- one take movie you've ever seen? It might be. It's up there because I. What I liked about it is that it actually felt like one take but it's also all about being one take exactly the film is about that right and it's not like showy one take kind of thing it's very much like you can feel the cameraman Mm -hmm. with the camera like he's walking behind characters like it's not a steady cam it's not steady cam it's shaky so you do feel the presence of the camera and i kind of like that more i think uh the cinematographer is a guy who did a separation he's a very famous cinematographer interesting see i didn't even didn't do my research on that one but i love a separation and so the movie is about a group of college students who are going at a kite flying gathering apparently like so the plot of this movie is vague but there's a that's the setting there's a kite flying festival Festival. or something Mm -hmm. at the caspian sea the caspian region in iran and they're all there and next adjacent to them is there this shuttered kind of restaurant run by these two guys who like they say on the back are straight out of the texas chainsaw massacre and apparently according to the title card at the beginning it's uh, based on a no. true the director story. in his interview says but, he did that because right? he wanted Fargo as that's shit. the thing I yeah. was like he's prankish right yes. so so they make it seem like you know it's based on this true story of this rest these restaurateurs who serve f- uh, human flesh so you're thinking oh okay this is like they're gonna kidnap some of these kids they're gonna serve them up they're gonna butcher them yes and no there sort of like it's it, it, suspense in there's the movie. suspense in it and there's an ominous soundtrack the whole mm-hmm. time you're waiting for like something to happen and even though it never really comes the way you expect it to there's always a sense of dread uh, dread right so but what the movie is and they don't say this on the back of the box is like an episodic series of portraits of characters that you see throughout and you the camera kind of follows them yeah and then you get their story and then they you move on to a different character but the gimmick of the movie is that it's not linear that you are jumping through time exactly and that's what's interesting about the that's movie that's what's so fascinating so it's a puzzle it. when you watch it because you're actually not sure yeah. where you are in time when you watch things exactly and you would never think like a one take movie would attempt to do something like that very organically you, either it does not thing. draw attention to itself exactly That's it took me a while to even realize what they were doing mm-hmm. and I think yeah when you think of one take movies you think it's just like real time you are there and that's not what this is at all and I like liked that more about it it's just like you're going from past to present and like interweaving all these different characters and i love how the camera just decides to follow this character and then follows another and the way that we're saying it makes it sound like oh the camera will like pan to the left and then we're in the past that's not what happens it's the character will like walk into a situation yep and then you will realize that you've seen the situation but from a different perspective exactly which is so fascinating and it's it's funny like Mm, it's very funny really wry humor like subtle humor in it which i love 
it's just like it's one of those movies that you watch and you're like it's kind of a miracle this movie exists the way it does you know he tried it again supposedly in his next film invasion to lesser uh success okay. according to some reviews that i re- read his first movie is kind of a pulp fiction type of thing okay only 90 minutes and i haven't seen his last one uh careless crime well, careless crime i was hearing a lot about too so i think people really like that i guess he was maybe more known at that point i think careless Cl- crime maybe played at tiff actually and some other festivals and people were really talking about that but this box set right. is a little more than fifty dollars what a steal to it's, get all these movies. honestly yeah like we complain about the pricing on these a lot but yeah for 50 bucks like four really solid interesting movies from an auteur you haven't really heard and about. the director does an hour-long interview for each movie yeah, he's, on each he's disc deeply involved in this and i don't know this is a definite blind buy for me i mean you bought this oh yeah right? i bought so, it and that's yeah, i gotta get back to the movies yeah, too like, i only got to watch fish and cat but i can't wait to watch it yeah ones. once i finished fish and cat like last night i was kind of like oh, i wish i had more time to just watch all of these before we record so pick that one up that's yes. definitely blind buy. definitely blind buy we, solid, we haven't had a solid thumbs up blind buy for a while so i like it i like it next up we have rough cut uh starring burt reynolds and <laughs> leslie ann dow yeah we're gonna make a hard hard left uh burt reynolds so territory. i added this on the list because i don't know what it was i looked it up and i'm like oh don siegel he directed it that's fun i like burt reynolds he's charming and it's a paramount presents film but hey you're in canada so you get you the get shitty the slip covers yeah slip co- i don't think there's i think they're actually just cardboard cases just that cardboard they open case. up they're cardboard cases that have that like little thing that opens mm. up where you get like movie facts or whatever so if but even like the features on these paramount there's just a leonard malton interview one special feature on poor this. leonard malton i love the guy and he has to do this like yeah, this is what he's right? doing now and so i watch this movie oh thank god i didn't buy it because i would probably bought it any other week and yeah. been like oh this no actually uh, paramounts are expensive aren't they this one's not too bad because we get them domestically now yeah. so it's like 25 bucks but this is a is this a notoriously troubled production yes like, don, don siegel was, was fired and rehired yeah. peter r hunt who did in her majesty's secret service right. was an editor on a bunch of James Bond films. So I watch it's two hours long. It's basically Rich Burt Reynolds and Lillian Dowd kind of charm each other. And at the end, they do a heist and you have no idea what's happening and it gets pulled <laughs> off. So this is the problem with these kind of heist films is that you're watching it and you don't know what the heist is. That can work sometimes that yep. you want to see, but there are no stakes in this movie. So for two hours, <laughs> you're like, I guess I find Burt Reynolds charming. That's all that you can kind of like glom onto. There's nothing else. Don Siegel, he's famous for being a very efficient director. Two hours long? What's going on, Don? And Paramount, this is what you're putting out? Now, I think this film has never been on Blu-ray. Or DVD. Or DVD. Because I looked it up and was like, there's no way this hasn't been on DVD or something. And apparently it's not, unless I'm mistaken, but I did deep dives and I couldn't even find a basic Paramount DVD. The version I watched online looked like crap. So I have a feeling it was maybe a VHS rip on YouTube or whatever. This movie's bad. Don't watch it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, I, it's one of those things when I was ordering it, I'm like, yeah, I mean, people love Don Siegel stuff. People love Burt Reynolds here. It's like, I think this will sell, but I don't know. It sold a few. I don't know. There's been some curiosity. curiosity. You know, people do love Burt I don't know. Burt Reynolds was a little before my time. Before I, my time, too. And I don't really stuff, care about other him. Other than but... Smoking and the Bandit pretty much has not continued onward. Like, no one. Yeah. And The Longest Yard. Those are yeah, the two Burt Reynolds like films that. that everybody writes. And Boogie Nights, of course. Don't consider that a Burt Reynolds film. No. But, you know, Kino's been, over the years, released a bunch of his, like, action films and stuff. Sharky's Machine. They do sell. So there's a fan base there for his Mm. stuff. But I don't know if it's going to extend to this one or not. Next up, we have two Mark picks. Now, (laughs) I only know Georgia Rules because the Flophouse did an episode on it and how bonkers it is. 
Is it? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'd say it's bonkers. I've, did, I've seen Georgia Rule. One of um, the characters in it be like sexually abused by? Yeah, I mean, it's the thing with Georgia Rule is it's trying so hard to be a serious. So this is the movie that this was towards the end of Lindsay Lohan's career. She did this the same summer. This came out the same summer as I Know Who Killed Me, which is a vastly better and more entertaining film. This was her attempt at doing like, you know, a big mainstream dramatic performance that would maybe get Oscar nominations. You know, they put her with Jane Fonda, Felicity Huffman, who was just coming off her Oscar nom. It's directed by, you know, good old Gary Marshall, who just give me a script and I'll shoot it. You know, you know, you love it. That's why you put it on the list. No, I don't love that. This movie is absolutely terrible. I watched it several years ago when my partner and I were doing a Lindsay Lohan marathon and neither of us had seen it and we were expecting we were hoping it was going to be like a so bad it's funny kind of thing like and I know that's how the flop house sold it to me it's not though it's just dull like yeah I get what they're talking about there's like dark there's like dark how, subject matter wait did I add this to the list actually? no I, I added it okay the list. just because well I added to the list because this is a shout select title <laughs> it doesn't mean anything shout select man I don't think they have any new features on this though because, no that's from the um, era of DVD having so many special they features they just poured it over mm-hmm. everything but why have they decided to put Georgia Rule out that's what I want to they know. have a quota they have to do every month Mark and yeah. if it falls in their budget limitations like I'm sure <laughs> that there's probably a master that existed that played probably on I don't know the Hallmark Channel right. HD that's why this is going that's out pro- you know what this is probably best known this movie for being the movie that the producer James G. Robinson sent that letter to Lindsay Lohan basically saying like you're unprofessional on well, I don't remember that. and that leaked and everything and that was kind of the end of her career so she was just getting told off and yeah, I don't know I wish this was like funnier or worse than it is but it's just kind of that middling it's like Gary Marshall like middling like yeah there's some dark subject matter but it's just handled so blase that it's not even funny in a bad way it's so just, from that it's though, just lame it's just lame we're gonna go to something that's not lame that Mark yeah, loves we're going to an all time early 2000s classic right Ugh, here no not good Orange yeah. County uh, you're not an Orange County fan I'm sorry it stars my second favorite Hank son I don't mind Colin Hanks. I don't know. You, like, you like Chet Hayes? <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, I mean, we all like Chet Hayes for entertainment value. This is such... It should be called, like, Nepotism the Movie. Because it should, it should. Directed by Jake, Jake Kasdan. Hey, who was coming off Zero Effect, which Great movie. I really like. I don't know. This Jack was, Black? That is, what Jack are we supposed Black? to do with Jack Black? Exactly, right? Before career? he, like, fully School broke of out. Rock. Of, yeah, it was before School of Rock. Mm. So he hadn't fully broken out as, like, the leading man Jack Black yet. He was still, like, in that high fidelity. I'm the funny best yeah, friend! Yeah, he was the supporting role. This movie just hit me at the right time. Were you sending in your college 15, applications? 14 or something. Yeah, not quite yet, but... When I saw this movie, I'm like, that's where I want to go. This is how I want my life to go. But <laughs> even though I live the no, son nowhere a, near California. A yeah. millionaire yeah, um, that's actor. A the, well, the movie, even Colin Hanks' character, is the son of two divorced but incredibly wealthy parents. So it's like uh, not even... Him. You know what? It's just like, this was the golden age of MTV films, though, too, which uh, I was always score. a sucker for. Yeah, Joe's yeah, yeah. Apartment. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I mean, Joe's Apartment? Sure. Perfect score. Of, hey. uh, Orange County, though, I don't. This was a movie I watched. I had this on DVD as a kid, and I watched it over and over again with my brother. We would just quote lines. I don't know. It just really hit a sweet spot. It is written by Mike White, who I really like. Um, uh, Mr. The White Lotus well, himself. Yeah, I haven't kept up with his. Too popular for you. Stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Harold and Kumar, you're there. Well, I heard 
uh, that show he did with Laura Dern was really good, and I never caught up with that. Oh, the, it's like um, a religious one, the something HBO like HBO show. I can't remember. I mean, White called. Lotus is an HBO show too. No, I know. I, I'm intrigued because I really like Mike White way back in the Chuck and Buck days. Did you stuff. like Mike White when he was on The Great Race or whatever it's called with his dad? Oh, the amazing. I never watched. I don't. The like Amazing the Race. Amazing yeah, he was race. on that show. With really? His dad. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I don't know. He wrote this, and it's definitely got a sense, of dry sense of humor. He has a small role as a teacher too, and he's really funny. I don't know. It's got a great supporting cast. You got uh, Lily Tomlin in there, Chevy Chase uh, showing up, Catherine O'Hara. Oh, you're making me want to go Kevin, back to Kevin the Klein has a small role. early 2000s know. era. You know, uh, the feeling of renting this on DVD and watching right? it and going, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. Jake Kasdan, I was like really into after Zero Effect. Oh, boy. What and happened then... to him? Jumanji. Yeah, Jumanji. Well, he did that movie, The TV Set. I don't, I don't know if you remember with David. I have Duchovny. it on DVD. I think that movie's funny because that was yeah. one that was uh, about Judd Apatow's experience. Well, that was one I really wanted to see, and then I remember just kind of being disappointed by it's it. It's very I, kind of like, uh, like not trying to show off. Yeah, just right? straight down the middle. But there's a really funny thing where it's all about doing a TV pilot and how yeah. hard that is. And it ends with them showing the trailer for their their pilot, and they added like farts to uh. see. <laughs> like, Did they add a fart? That's the climactic moment of the movie, yeah. and it's in the trailer. Oh yeah, no, oh, I know. Because there's just moments. not that much it's drama got its to moments, it. I guess. Next up, we have Ascension. What's this movie, Mark? This is from Grasshopper. So right up my alley. Um, Ascension was nominated for a best documentary Oscar at the Oscars last year, which I was a little surprised by because it's super like experimental, avant garde. That's Grasshopper's niche. And um, it's a Chinese documentary, and it's basically it's it's not wordless because you do hear people talk, but it's one of those movies where it just shows the state of the Chinese dream, but in obviously like a sarcastic kind of like what it means is that people are just being worked to the bone and exploited, and it just kind of films workplaces and workers and just like how soul crushing it is to obviously be in the Chinese workforce, but also it just kind of applies on a larger scale to the entire world. And I think that's why it kind of resonated outside. Um, I really like this movie. I watched it like towards the end of last year, just hearing it was good. And it's just hypnotic. And I guess for just somebody who's worked in like retail and a lot of soul crushing jobs throughout my life, it really uh, resonated with me. So yeah, I like it. If you like docs, this was one of the best of last year. Speaking of things that Mark likes, we have a Factory 25 release. Which is an OCM partner label, too. <laughs> it is. Oh, my God. <laughs> Poor back. Factory 25. I know. I love Factory. I love always, Factory 25. I always love Factory 25. I used to I mean, like they're the buy... pretentious shot on film. I uh, know. $100 for a DVD of a Joe Swanberg I film. Know. Well, I bought their Cave Zahedi box set. I have that, too. I love that set. I got it really cheap I love him. recently. Really? I got it for like 50 I bought bucks. It, <laughs> I bought it brand new. Well, I brought it when we got it here, but even it cost it. It was like 60, 70 bucks. I pried my color wheel DVD that won't fit oh, on the shelf the anywhere. Wheel. Yeah, the book. Yeah. <laughs> I like, hey, I like what I bought their DVD, which I think actually they're putting out on Blu ray through OCN of The Oregonian, which is a weird film. It came in a similar mm -hmm. thing to The Color Wheel where it had a record with it. I don't know. They just had really cool releases. Don't look at what the co star of The Color Wheel that's not Alex Ross Perry is doing right now. <laughs> Yeah, uh -oh. the color wheel is best left in the past. I know. like the color wheel. I do too. I, I'm a big fan of the color wheel. So here we have Superior, though, a film by Aaron Vassilopoulos. Is it shot on film? You know it. It is. And I thought this was really cool. This premiered, I think, at Sundance, not this year, but last year. It took a while to come out. 
but it's very factory 25 but it's a weird sort of like art house thriller uh critics on the back that have it kind of compare it to brian de palma but also david lynch also vincent gallo like buffalo 66 and i would say it's got all of those vibes it's mm. got a hal hartley vibe and it just it, it's like kind of dryly funny and but it's also super suspenseful super stylish it's basically about a woman who is on the run from somebody she's been away from home she comes back to her hometown and stays with her almost identical twin sister and they kind of like she doesn't tell her why she's back or what danger she's in but somebody's after her and they kind of switch roles because her sister is unhappy as like a bored housewife so basically the sister who comes back takes the housewife role and then the housewife sister, goes on housewife the goes not on, she goes out to like get a job or mm. just not knowing that she's in danger or anything it's not that it necessarily doesn't go where you think it's going to go, but it's just done so stylishly and with such a cool sense of humor. And I love the two actors in it. They're so great. And I just, I think this director is one to watch. I'm really a fan after one film. I think it's based on her short film that she did a few years prior. So pick it up or at least check it out. Watch it. Next up, we have Dashcam. No, not now, the Dashcam we talked about a year and change ago. <laughs> The, this, da the dash cam that everybody's losing their mind over and British cinema's canceled, I guess. No, British cinemas did not cancel this I dash know, cam. But they wanted to make it seem like they did. Yeah, so this is a not film directed by Rob Savage, who uh, was uh, made a little bit of a splash with Host. Yeah, which I found largely dull, frankly. I asked, do every does everybody die at the end? And I was confirmed yes, and I said, no, thank you. Well, we talked about Host when it came out on yes. disc, and, like, Host, it was a movie right up my alley. I was all over it when it came out. And I was like, Was I it too know. popular, Mark, when you finally watched no, it? No, I, I watched it pretty early on, so, and I was ready to enjoy it. I was so ready, because it was, like, early in the pandemic. It was, like, the first, or one of the first, like, pandemic movies like shot during the pandemic using zoom cameras and that's why it got a lot of hype it's not really that much it's fine than any other someone goes ah gets pulled into the yeah, air like, you know so i was kind of underwhelmed but dash cam when i this, saw it somehow before mark yeah. and i said i do not like this movie and, and I, Mark's like, I gotta see it. Well, I can't wait it, to see it played it. Tiff. yeah i played it tiff and it was found footage and you were basically like oh it's it's something like there. I did not say it's something. Well, I said something, I did not like, like it. There That's is, what I said. You know, controversy with it, and I'm so like, okay, the, sure. The controversy behind this film is that it's a story of a COVID denying jerk <laughs> that is just awful, and it's played by someone who's a COVID denier. You know what? I'm not going to say she's a jerk because I don't know her I don't well know enough her personally. Um, she is. Sort of a semi-celebrity, though. Her mm -hmm. name is Annie Hardy, and she's an L.A. musician. You were a fan of her. I was. Uh, she fronted the band Giant Drag, who is kind of a fixture on the L.A. indie scene. She's been on songs with, like, the Deftones and a bunch of other bigger bands and everything. So I was definitely a fan of her musically. Totally forgot about her in the last, like, decade or so because I just hadn't kept up with her bands or anything until this movie came out. I'm like, that name sounds familiar. And then I saw her. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Had no idea she was a COVID denier. A very vocal a one. very vocal on Twitter, mm -hmm. COVID denier. And this whole movie, and not only that, she plays herself in this movie, so it's not even her playing a character. And people like to be like, oh, it's an exaggerated version of her. And it's like, yeah, it is, because she is in a movie. That's my biggest pet peeve with, like, the criticism around this movie. It's like, I don't, if you like it, I, don't, I really don't mind if you like it, but so many people are quick to be like, no, no, it's an exaggerated version. It's like, like just look on Twitter or Instagram. No, it's not, though, <laughs> at all. Like, I reviewed this movie, and um, when my editor was going through it, he even put that in at one point. I was like, you know what, I actually have to 
to like take issue with that because I don't think it's an exaggerated version. And mm. it's just like I get that it's a fictional story, but she is a hundred percent playing herself. She's a musician. She she spends a good chunk of the mu- movie doing her. She has a gimmick where she like raps in her car. It's like a band car live stream, and that's what serves as the basis of this movie, which is something she does in real life. That's her actual thing. And so the movie is about her getting into a situation where there's like a demon and stuff like that. And yeah. Well, wacky... she goes to visit her friend in the UK. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they basically, she, through her basically just being an asshole, get hooked up, mm-hmm. get involved with a demon situation. Now, some people that I'm very good friends with tried to sell me this as a satirical take on a found footage film. That's what a lot of people tried to sell it as. And I will say, how about this? How about a satirical take on a found footage film is you like the characters that are in it. (laughs) Or, how about this? Have an unlikable character. Oh, that's what I said. Which I'm down for. And continually punish her throughout the film. See, and I remember you said the most genius thing about this when I saw it, like, what if she got COVID at the end or something? And I honestly thought that's where it was going. Well, that's what it's supposedly supposed to be hinted at because she's coughing at the end. She coughs at the end, but then the end credits are just her like messing around in her car doing the band car thing. And it's like, I don't know if it's that clear though. I mean, I think that the filmmakers just really enjoy spending time with her and that they find her charming. But they're friends. That's And that's what... She does a commentary track on this film. Yeah. Oh yeah. She was at the premiere. Mm -hmm. Apparently I I just saw a screener of it, but apparently she was there and I would have loved to know what the audience reaction was. Looking at Letterboxd? Asked for? Uh, pretty not good. Do like, people, so do people like this movie? Not very much, not? no. If you look, like, it's like two stars, two and a right. half. I think I gave it two in my review. Mm. Because I, I do think there's moments that are effective. Like, it's okay. I don't, like, I don't it's think it's not... terrible. There were a few moments that really got me. I will say watch. I watched it again when I had to review it just to be like, what, what is this like on a rewatch mm. knowing what happens? It's worse on a rewatch with the thrill of it gone, I guess, mm. being in the moment it's a lot more generic. So I definitely, because the first time I watched it, I was like, yeah, this is problematic. But parts of it I kind of liked. Second time, I was like, nah, it's pretty, now, it's pretty basic. There's two ways that I could have maybe enjoyed this movie. One, if she had been a Bruce Campbell-like figure who's, right. con- who's continually tortured for the actions that she does. Of course, yeah. That does not happen. She no. barely suffers any consequences. Not at all. I, I mean, I guess that's the joke that the filmmakers wanted to do. Is that like, I guess so. And again, it's I like... Mean, I'm going to spoil the movie for people that don't watch <sighs> Dashcam. Yeah. The, the twist is she survives, but everybody else does. Everybody else does. And you know what? A lot of the supporting characters are people of color. Yes. It's very... Pro- all the supporting characters are people of all color. All of them are. Even the demon is also... Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I... Again, I I don't want to sound like one of those people that doesn't like unlikable characters mm-hmm. in movies because I love unlikable characters in movies. But when it just seems like a, it seems like a. Wait, uh, let me get to my I second sh- point. It, though. it seems like a showcase for this person. But yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, but what if it's the exact same movie and it starred Tim Heidecker playing that, that role? That would be funny. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> that would be something I'd love to see. <laughs> but Tim, why is Tim, that different? Let's call Tim Heidecker. Why is that different though in our minds? No, and that's the thing. It's like I think it's just. When you, I think when you're making a movie about a real person and about a real person's beliefs, like this does tread the line between documentary and fiction because you are dealing with somebody who is real and you're using mm-hmm. her real persona. Then I feel like you have to ask yourself why, right? And do I think Rob Savage is asking himself why he's casting her in it beyond that it's just like 
a goof? Mm. No, I don't think so. That's what my problem is with it. Mm. I don't think he has any reason to do this. And it's I like, mean, he probably enjoys her. Yeah, like, I'm sure. Finds her charismatic, and I know likes her personality. I know he addressed some of the controversy and said she's had a hard life. Mm. And, you know, or like, we have to learn how to live with these people. But even saying that, I don't think this does any Mm-mm. good job of uh, portraying a world where we need to live with these people. Because I'm not against that kind of mess because we are going to have to live with people like yeah. this. We should see where they're coming from, potentially. But you never get this in but this. But you never even get that. Like, even her, she's just a troll. Yeah. She, all she is is a troll. She doesn't even have any substance behind the way she feels. Mm-hmm. So what am I supposed to take from that? It, the whole thing just seems like a prank, which is kind of like what Host was. So I don't know. That's my problem with it. Moving on, though, we have a Mark film. I say Mark film, like uh, you directed it. Did you pick this one because you watched it and you enjoyed it? I did. It? I watched it. So, you know, you put Dash Cam on the end. I'm like, ah, I don't want to end on Dash Cam. That's kind of a bummer. I've seen this movie, too. So you didn't like it? I thought it was okay. Cyst. I, I had fun with it. Yeah, so this is Cyst. Uh, this was a movie I, again, had no idea even existed. Uh, apparently, it came out a couple of years ago in festivals or something. Only coming out on disc now from RLJE, and looks like Raven Banner has it, so maybe there'll be like a Canadian Blu-ray. And yeah, it's definitely like a throwback, kind of like 50s sci-fi about basically a cyst monster. It's gooey, it's gross, kind of has that like 80s vibe of updating 50s movies, but putting a lot of gross special effects in them. And the main gimmick is that it co-stars George Hardy from Troll 2. Yep. You don't, uh, what is it, uh, shit on hospitality? What does he say? You don't piss on hospitality. hospitality. I won't allow it. <laughs> and Greg Sestero from, from The Room. The Room. And that's pretty much what sold me on it, mm-hmm. is just seeing those two guys. And I looked it up after the director, Tyler Russell, hasn't done much. But his prior film, which is like a, seems like a low-key, like, southern neo-noir, also stars George Hardy. As, he so, loves George Hardy, clearly. I mean, I love George Hardy, but I was like, wow, I haven't, I didn't even know George Hardy was still doing stuff. I mean, I guess he's an actor, so why wouldn't he be? But. So just a fun 50s monster throwback. I thought it was fine. I, thought it was I liked it. It's super short, and by short, I mean, like, it's an hour, it's 73 minutes on the back, but it ends at, like, just over an hour, and there's, like, 10 minutes of behind the scenes. I may have seen a longer version of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so well, I'd like to see the short it. version. Well, you know what? I kind of like the short version. Yeah. It was just like in, Well, that's how long out. a science fiction movie would yeah, be. Yeah, it was 63 like in minutes. and out. Because I was, even when it got to like 60 minutes, I'm like, oh, it seems like it's wrapping up. What are they going to do for the last 10 minutes? And then it just ends and it's like 10 minutes of credits and blooper reels. And I'm like, love it. That's I the love way to, to go. So you know what? There's not much on this disc. There's nothing on this Rent disc. Rent it. Don't buy it yet. Yeah. Unf- I wish they put some stuff on this disc because I'd love to see more of Greg and George and just, just hanging just out. Hanging out and just, the effects are really good. Mm-hmm. I like the effects. They're gross. Oh, there's also some other cult actors like Gene Jones is in it, who is the guy from No Country for Old Men, who uh, Javier Bardem's character um, confronts in the convenience store. Oh, you know, that okay. classic nice. Scene. But he's also like a cult movie actor. Mm-hmm. He's been in tons of stuff. Even the star Eva Haberman is a fairly prominent German actress. Apparently, she was on Lex Ooh. for a while. Uh, I've watched was Lex like in a long time. To fame. So it's got a great cast of cult actors. I mean, George Hardy's having a ball in this, too. He's, like, totally committed to the role of a goofy, like, mad scientist. And I don't know, it just... I was expecting to, like, kind of watch this and be like, ah, it's whatever. But, I don't know, I guess I had more fun with this than I thought. So, So check out this. Check it out. And that's it for this week's episode of the Bay Street Video Podcast. So, until next week, keep on buying. And keep on renting. Colin Hanks movies. These movies and many more are available at your local video store. Colin Hanks, we got a lot of them. What are the other ones? 
Well, you know, he, he act, speaking of found footage, he did a really creepy little found footage thriller called Alone With Her. Huh. I know that's a generic title, but from like 2006 or so, where he's like a stalker and he's oh, stalking this woman and he's like seeing her. Um, really good, actually. Surprisingly good. Oh, Fargo, the first season of Fargo. Oh, he's really good in the Great first season of Fargo. That's all I got off the top of my head. You got to come I, ask Mark. There's more. He'll, he'll there's let definitely you know. more. You know, I had a period where I'm like, yeah, I like that Colin Hanks guy. I like him. You <laughs> he's know, no I Chad know, Hanks. I know it's nepotism, but he just makes it, there's something about Colin Hanks that's just more pleasant, I guess.